When was the last time you experienced something good that was totally unexpected? Something that just blew your mind, that rocked your world. Uh, a few months ago, Carrie and I were looking at some things for the backyard, something for the kids to play on, because the one the one chorus we have heard for, for three years had been, we don't have anything to do in the yard. There's nothing to do back there. And so there was a swing, but the swing wasn't good enough. And we started looking for things we could do with the kids. And one thing we found was a trampoline. Uh, but we didn't want to buy a Walmart, you know, $200 trampoline. That I'm, I'm not a small guy. So I didn't trust Walmart trampolines. Uh, I found the trampoline online that has no single user weight limit. It's guaranteed up to like 1,500 pounds. So we wanted it, but it was over $1,000 on this trampoline. And uh, we said, okay, we'll start saving for it. But of course, you know, life happens. So the savings would get put in and it would be taken out for something else. And suddenly one day I got an email about my trampoline that was shipping to be here in my house. For Christmas, someone had purchased us a trampoline. The trampoline we wanted. Didn't tell us about it, just had it shipped to our house. We were blown away. It, it was an amazing, amazing experience. And, and I think that's a similar type of feeling. Theirs is better. But for us, that was a great feeling. But the people in our text this morning probably had a, a similar feeling, multiplied by about 400. As we pick up in Luke 24, last week we talked about that first day of the week, and today we're talking about that same day. There in verse 13 of Luke 24, we pick up and it says, Now that same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together they were discussing everything that had taken place, and while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. Then he asked them, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you're walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened there in these days? What things, he asked. So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet powerful in speech before God, and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over, to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. And moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb. And when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those of us who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they didn't see him. He said to them, how unwise and slow you are to believe in your hearts all that the prophets have spoken. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. They came near the village where they were going, and he gave the impression that he was going farther. But they urged him, stay with us, because it's almost evening, and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And it was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. So they said to each other, weren't our hearts ablaze within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven 
And those who with them gathered together and said, The Lord has certainly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of bread. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as the best of the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. It's a crazy story. It's an exciting story. So many things here that, that came to mind as I read it this week. But as I started, one of the first things that came to my mind that, that, that God revealed to me is that there are no little people to Jesus. These disciples were not from the eleven. They weren't from that main group. They were bystanders. They were extra. You, you can make a case for Mary. I mean, she had been with him. He had brought the demons out. She was there at the cross when he was crucified. She was there at the tomb the next morning. You can make a case that she was an important figure in the life of Jesus. But these guys, you know, he should have appeared to the eleven. He really didn't do that first, did he? He saw these women and he saw these men. These people that he saw first. Instead of going to the eleven after seeing Mary, who did he go to? These two people that we don't even know. We know one guy's name, Cleopas. The other guy's name, we don't know. We don't know really anything about Cleopas. Who was he? Who knows? He was somebody. He was the guy that Jesus came to. That's all we need to know. But there's no little people. Jesus doesn't look at somebody and say, well, you're worth more than him. We do well to keep this in mind. Money and power and influence don't matter to Jesus. Doesn't matter. And we're supposed to live that out in our lives. I had an experience back at Howard Payne my senior year. I was the president of the Ministerial Alliance. Uh, wasn't as prestigious as you would think it is, I guess, you know. College students. And, but the interim president of the university at that point was a man whose name you may know. His name was Russell Dilday. He was, used to be, for a couple of decades, the president of Southwestern Seminary. His name was in the news. He was, he was a Baptist bigwig. I mean, he was high up the food chain, you know. And so you have Russell Dilday, this, this superhero in the moderate Baptist world. And then you have me, a student, an undergrad student on campus, who wasn't raised in church, but came to the faith as a teenager, but this man and I developed a relationship while he was there. Um, I love Dr. Lanny Hall, who became the president after Dilday. Um, but the one, the one regret that I have of my graduation from Howard Payne was that it was in that moment they decided that Dr. Dilday was going to give the <laughs> diplomas out to the Bachelor of Science group. <laughs> And the Bachelor of Arts group was going to be stuck with Dr. Hall. Not that Dr. Hall's not a great guy, but man, I wanted Dr. Dilday to hand me my diploma. That relationship had been built. And he treated everybody like that. There was no little people. And that's how it is with Jesus. There is no little people. When we look around, around this world, it doesn't matter who we are or who they are. We are all the same in the eyes of Jesus. Because Jesus looks at us and he just sees someone that he loves. He doesn't care where we've been. He doesn't care what we've gone through. He doesn't care for those things. Those things don't really matter in his eyes. It doesn't matter if you're the 
president of the biggest seminary in the world or you're a freshman at a university campus. God sees you the same. And that's what I see when I see these disciples because we don't know who they are. Literally, the title just says the Emmaus disciples. That's what my, my Bible says. Why? Because they didn't, in the grand scheme of the worldly things, didn't matter. It wasn't that big of a deal. They were just two guys. But Jesus chose those simple two guys to appear to. And he shows up. You know, they're walking. Um, I'm surprised they're walking. All the things that have gone on before they ever left Jerusalem. Mary and the women come running. Peter and John take off to the tomb. His body isn't there. John has already started to believe. Jesus has already appeared to Mary. Yet these two guys are like, well, it's over. And they're walking to Emmaus. They're done. And they're arguing back and forth. Well, what do you think would have happened if he wouldn't have been crucified? What do you think we did wrong? What step didn't we take? Man, this should have been the time we took over. The revolution should have happened. This should have been what needed to do. They were talking back and forth, bantering back and forth, and suddenly Jesus is there. And he asked him the question, what are you arguing about? And they looked at him like he was out of his mind. Are you the only guy who's in Jerusalem who has no idea what's going on? Have you not been there for three days? Because every Jewish man was in Jerusalem in those three days. They had to be there for the Passover. How do you not know what is going on? Everybody was there. Were you not there in that crowd that hollered crucify him? Did you not see all this stuff happen? And now, all these rumors that are going around, but man, we really thought, we really thought he was going to be the one. But he died. And now there's this story, but <laughs> we didn't see him. You know, it's Mary. She had demons once. Can we believe her? So, you know, that's back, it's back to normal. It's back to our lives. And Jesus shows up. You know, sometimes we don't even recognize when Jesus is in our midst. Huh? Didn't he warn us about that? Talks about attending angels unaware. Talks about when you go and do for the least of these you've done for me. That Jesus is there. That we're going to have comfort and guidance sometimes that we didn't know we needed. Sometimes Jesus is right there and we don't even recognize him. We've all seen the footprints point, right? The guy's walking down the road and he sees all the footprints. And there's always two, two steps. But the hard parts of his life, he's like, Jesus, why is there only one, one set right here? I needed you then and you weren't there. You had disappeared like that thing into the, into the vegetable oil. You were gone. I didn't see you. And Jesus said, that's because when I was carrying you. Those are my footprints you see. We don't even recognize sometimes when Jesus is there. We don't recognize what he's doing. We can, we can never forget this truth. Just because we think Jesus isn't working, it doesn't mean he's not there. So often we find ourselves in the midst of stressful situations and we're like, Jesus, where are you? Well, he's there. He's in the midst of it. At 9-11, he was in those stairwells. And every one of these things that are going on in our world right now where someone's going through something, he's there. He's reaching out. He's trying to touch them. He's trying to be in their lives. That's where he's at. And sometimes he calls you into something and, and you, you know, you're, 
kicking and screaming. You know, there's a cartoon that goes along with the footprints going. You've seen it, right? Where the guys says, okay, Jesus, I understand that where there's one set of footprints, you're carrying me, but but those those drag those marks right there, those big marks, what are those about? That's where I had to drag you kicking and screaming. Because sometimes he's working and we don't see it. Sometimes we're going, no, Jesus, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. I don't want to knock on that door. I don't want to love them. I, I don't want to be the person who does that. But God's called us to it. And sometimes he drags us kicking and screaming because we don't recognize that he's there, that he's opening the door that we can't open on our own. And so they tell Jesus all about this stuff. Man, he was a prophet. He powerful in action and in word. He, he, he did all these things. But then they crucified him. We had hoped he was going to be the one, but he's dead. But now to top it off, oh man, they say his body's not there anymore. And some say he's alive, but now, and Jesus responds. He says, How unwise and slow you are to believe in your hearts all that the prophets have spoken. You know, we have to be careful to actually listen to Jesus. <laughs> there is a difference between hearing and listening. There's a difference between hearing the voice of God and listening. To the voice of God. How often do we hear and not listen? How many times had Jesus told them what was going to happen? Just in the New Testament alone, he had told Peter what was going to happen, and Peter jumped up and said, Never, Jesus! And he said, Get behind me, Satan! Just in the New Testament, the parable of Lazarus, he tells them something else. The rich man says, Just let me, just let me go back. And tell them. And he says they have the law and the prophets. That should be enough. I was foretold there. This was foretold there. Here these disciples had heard. But they didn't understand. You know. Side note. It makes me feel better. When I miss what Jesus is saying. Because these guys all of them. Had heard it straight from Jesus. And still missed it. We have to be careful to actually listen. To listen to what Jesus is saying to not just to hear his voice, not just to hear him call, but to listen to the, what the call is. To listen to where he has told us to go. To listen to what he has told us to do. Because so often we just don't listen. We hear and we jump out there and because we didn't listen, we cause a mess. These disciples were halfway home. They were walking home because they hadn't listened to what Jesus had said. They didn't listen to the word of God. They assumed they knew what was going on and they just took off home. You know, they already walked half to seven miles at least. They walked three and a half miles with all their stuff that they brought with them. How often do we go through things we don't need to go through because we don't listen to Jesus? <laughs> so, he tells them all about it. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interprets for them all the things in the scripture. They came near the village. He acted like he was, I'll see y'all later. No, no, stay with us and eat. Stay with us and eat. And when he breaks bread, they know who he is. And they're like, man, 
We knew it was him, didn't we? We could feel our hearts burning within us when he talked about it. We knew it. Man, we gotta go tell the boys. And they got up right then and traveled in the dark to go back and tell the boys what was going on. That's that's what happened. And as you look at their experience with Jesus, and you look at the experience of Jesus with Mary last week, and you know the experience that the disciples have at the, at the end of this chapter, we begin to realize that everyone's journey with Jesus will be different. It's going to be different. For these two disciples, it took him coming and talking with them and explaining to them and revealing himself. That's what made them go, yes, that's it. For John, all he had to do was see the empty tomb and the clothes laying there and he began to believe. For Peter, it's going to take a little bit more because not only was Peter dealing with, is he alive? He was dealing with, man, I have failed him. For Mary, she stood there at the tomb crying until Jesus called her name. Everybody will have a different journey with Jesus. And we make a grave mistake when we think that everyone's path to Jesus should look the same. We do. Because for some reason, we have it in our minds that the path to Jesus is on an aisle in a church where we come and we say a prayer. But sometimes that's not where people find Jesus. Sometimes people find Jesus in prison. Sometimes people find Jesus in the bar room. People find Jesus where Jesus calls to them. One of my favorite Gideon stories for me comes from Steve Borden. Sting, you're a wrestling fan. You know Sting, right? Man, he was struggling. He was struggling with drugs. He was struggling with alcohol. He was struggling with all of those things. And one night he was in a hotel room. And man, God began to deal with him. And he opened up that drawer and there was a Gideon Bible inside. And he read that thing and he fell on his knees and came to Jesus. In a hotel room. One of the toughest men you could ever knew broke down in the middle of that hotel room because God confronted him there. Everybody's journey to Jesus is going to look different. And if we don't walk into every relationship knowing that, what is it that we miss that they need? What opportunity do we let pass by that they need? Because it happens. You never know when that door is open and all it takes is for us to say the right word that will change and turn that relationship around. Because that journey may not look like yours. For some of you, you've been in church for nine months before you were ever born. And you've never been out of it. And so you don't know anything else but that journey. But some people are like the thief on the cross. His journey to Jesus started couple of months before he died. His journey looked different. Everyone's journey to Jesus looks different. It's always going to look different. Because we are all different. We all need different things. God calls us in different ways. Maybe for you, the journey has been an easy one. Maybe faith comes easy to you. <laughs> I've always said that if there's one spiritual gift that I am jealous of, it is the gift of faith. Because while I have faith, I don't have the gift of faith. My faith is hard fought because I'm a very logical person. I used to spend a lot of time in the church kitchen before funerals. And I was always in awe 
at these ladies in there who it didn't matter what happened. They said, thank you, Jesus. And they praised God for what was going on. Here in my mind, I'm trying to find a logical reason for why that happened and what's going on. Eventually, I get there that God did it. <laughs> but they had a gift of faith that I wish that I had. Maybe for you, the walk of faith is easy. Maybe for you, it's that God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. But somebody else, they may be of the questioning variety, where they question everything they read. And what they need is not for you to get discouraged because they don't have your kind of faith, but they need you to live out your kind of faith along beside them. So they can start to see that all of this logical stuff will come together if I just believe. Maybe this morning you're on your own Emmaus road. Maybe you've expected certain things and they haven't come to pass and you're wondering what's going on. Well, now's the time to look up and realize that Jesus is there. He's there. Just have to open our eyes and listen. Maybe this morning you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to surrender missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning you want to make some other decision I haven't brought up. But most importantly, maybe this morning you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never known the one who died on the cross to bring you salvation. Now's the time you've brought him in the eyes and Troy, I want to know Jesus. And we'll go from there. Wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you for your blessings.